Hey there, this is Justin from Worst in the Industry. We have a lot of laughs on our show, and we get into some pretty heated topics, so it's important to remember that the views expressed by the hosts of Worst in the Industry are their own, and are in no way representations of the views held by the Planet Ant Podcast Network, or Planet Ant as an organization. Yell at us, not them. Thanks, and enjoy the show. This has been a production of Planet Ant Podcast, powered by Pinecast. Do you know how old Tom Cruise was when he was uh, in The Outsiders? He was young. Like how young? Early, you early think, 20s, right? I don't know. You think he was at least 18? Oh, let's find out. I just want to... F- watch... Yeah, let's please do before I say anything All right, so the, the Outsiders came out in 1983. So, let's say filming was a year before that, so 1982. He was born in 62. Cool. He was about 20. Gotcha. Um, who was the actor that played Ponyboy? Y- you know what? Not a fucking clue, man. No, Tyler's already got it pulled up. Hold on. Uh... Oh, they're actually playing the Outsiders at Imagine Macomb tomorrow. Ooh, you, like, you guys want to go? Maybe. Wait, tomorrow? Uh, yeah. Uh, C. Thomas Howell. So... Okay, good. That, that'll that be important oh, pa- later. Patrick Swayze, Rob Lowe, Emilio S. It's really a stacked cast when you look at oh, it. Oh, yeah. yeah, a lot of big names. Fucking Matt Dillon? Yeah, Matt Dillon, yeah. Oh, I fucking love Matt Dillon in that movie. He does such a good job playing Dally. And Ralph Macchio? Yeah, Ralph, he was fucking, yeah. uh, what's his, uh, what's his face? Johnny Cade. Johnny it's not loaded. And Rob Rob Lope played Soda Pop Curtis. Soda Pop. Soda Pop. Soda Pop. Yeah. My, anyway, my I wanted to fuck that pop. gap in Tom Cruise's teeth that whole movie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, buddy. It was now that you found out he was of age. It was before he got his teeth fixed, and honestly, it's True. kind of charming. It's. I love. I love how this was just like the scenic route to Colin being horny. See, uh, yeah, I want you guys to enjoy the view, really immerse yourself in the memories of the film, and then just imagine me throat fucking Tom Cruise. Oh no, that's oh not, I'm imagining God. you in a full denim vest, like a piece Mickey, of floss. Okay, okay, Mickey Rourke audition to be in that movie, and now I really wish. That he would Which who do you think he should have played? It didn't say who he would have played, but, but who probably, would you uh, want probably, him to have played? Probably uh, Leaf Garrett's character, Rob or Bob. You think Robert so? Robert Sheldon. Yeah, I think he would have been good. Uh, Nicholas Cage has an uncredited cameo in the background. Really? That makes sense, because it's a Francis yeah, Ford of, Coppola movie. Oh, yeah, that tracks. Movies, yeah, one of those movies where his uh, fucking uncle threw him in there. Honestly, I do <laughs> hey, really Nicky. respect... I respect Nick Cage for not uh, 
wanting to talk about his connection with his uncle that often. Yep. Like, he wants to earn it on his own. Like, obviously, that's how he got his foot in the door. But, yeah. like, he wants to earn it. And I really respect that. Yeah, I, I gotta respect it, too. And, like, he's a great actor. I think Nicolas Cage is a, is actually legitimate. Like, unironically. Whoa, 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 whoa. Did you just call him Nicolas Cage? No, I did not. What's that, uh, what's that, uh, was it, was it Willy's, Willy's Wonderland that came out recently that was, like, a, uh, Five Nights at Freddy's, like, movie kind of thing? Yeah, it's, I saw it's it. It's a similar concept. A- it's on apparently, movie. he, like, says five words the entire movie. Yeah, it's, it's, I wouldn't say it's a good Nicolas Cage performance. Yeah. But it's a Nicolas Cage performance. It's, it's just, it's so weird, because, like, he seems like... For most of the movie, it just seems like he's bored as an actor in the movie. Yeah. But then towards the end of the movie, I feel like he's having a mental breakdown. And Probably. <laughs> but in the, a way that Nick Cage does where it's not real. Um, not like... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's a good time. I enjoyed that. You know, I've been listening to uh, NWA lately. and It's great. There's a line in Fuck the Police where... Ren says, I'm sneaky as fuck when it comes to crime. <laughs> and I think about, I, I think about that a lot. And I also think about um, uh, Easy E when he's like, uh, it's like, uh, what are you without a, what's a cop without a badge and a gun? A dopey motherfucker who's going to get shot by me. Or like he's, he's, and I was just thinking like they recorded those albums that 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 album specifically and released it. And obviously there was blowback and they got arrested in Detroit, um, but they didn't have anybody henpecking them for saying, "Oh, we're not allowed to kill people. We're not allowed to say oh. we want to kill people." Oh, is is we're that what allowed, I'm doing by holding allowed, you to some standard of journalistic integrity, Colin? We're not allowed to say that uh, we want to kill cops. They can't do that. And Easy es like, you're going to get shot by me. My name's Easy e My name's Eric Wright. And I'm going to kill you with a gun. <laughs> it's, well, you know what, Colin? If you were Easy e maybe I'd allow it. If I was, if I was, if I had been injected by, with AIDS by Suge Knight and by died Suge 30 Knight. years ago, I would be allowed to say I want to kill the police on air. Yeah. Yeah, no, Colin, you just gotta make a, uh, you gotta make a song like that Key and Peele sketch, where he's the rapper, and the whole time it's just incriminating himself, and he's like, yeah, I shot him with a gun, and then threw it in the aquarium, and then he pulls up a wet gun. (laughs) Dude, I love- One of the funniest fucking skits. I can't, I can't remember who said it. I, I wanna say it was either Snoop Dogg or somebody in The Breakfast Club. But they were talking about how, like, young rappers are just encrypted. Like, when rappers used to talk about that shit, like, they they would talk about it. But if they had actually done the crime, they would be they very vague. Yeah, not like YMW Melly. Um, literally <laughs> lining out for the police the how he accidentally shot his friend. Yeah. And guess what? He got arrested for accidentally shooting his friend. Because it oh. turns out that killing somebody's a crime even when it's an accident. Looking at you, Suge Knight. <laughs> that was I'm an blind. Accident. 
I'm blind. You don't think it was an accident when he killed that guy in the set of Straight Outta Compton? No! Absolutely not. Absolutely not. That was it, totally no. premeditated. You really think so? It's. I 100%. think. It, I think. It, I don't know if it was premeditated. I think it was a closer to a, a like a heat of the moment type deal. But yeah, he definitely killed that guy on purpose. It's. It's. Did. Did he. Did he do that on purpose? I don't know. Is OJ guilty? No. He wrote a book called If He Did It. He did. If that he means did he it. didn't do if it. He, he did it. And it's just like. It's just like if. If. Our queen, Casey Anthony, is she guilty? I thought Jodi Arias was our queen. Jodi Arias is our queen, but Casey Anthony got out of it. So Jodi Arias is our problematic fave. Yeah, she's because she, she got go convicted. <laughs> yeah, she got convicted. You Casey Anthony didn't do it, and I will not take any Casey Anthony slander. I'm gonna name my daughter Kaylee in honor of. <laughs> <laughs> Tragic loss. Kay- Kaylee Casey. You know what? I'll make Stanley. sure to show up to her funeral. Kaylee Anthony Stanley. <laughs> oh, sh- now you should do Casey Anthony Stanley. <laughs> Welcome to Worst in the Industry, where this uh, uh, triumphant party of spectacular adventurers tramp their way across a landscape of horrors, both old and new. To my left. It's, uh, uh, hello, my name is Lemon Q Shark. Um, it's Justin St. Peter. Hi. How you doing? To my left. Uh, my name's Tyler, and did you guys know that it's illegal to say, I want to <laughs> Greg Abbott? It's very illegal. Would not suggest saying it, especially on record like I am right now. I'm just letting you guys know that it's illegal to say that. And I am your game master, (laughs) Colin Stanley. I get hard when I think about Greg fill my mouth with human shit Abbott dying a painful death. Today's episode, if you couldn't guess, it's about the one, the only, Wizards of the Coast. Let's get a round of applause for a fucking real one, guys. Let's fucking let's put some W's up at the chat. They fucking did it. They, they took. Did it. They made, they monopolized an entire game industry. They are making money on something that is basically impossible to make money off of by being shitbirds, and it's great. They, they, really, it's great. they really managed it. <laughs> Welcome as I walk you through a land of adventure, back to the. Elder Days Beyond Men, 1990. I'm going to give you a wedgie with an engine hoist. I wish, man. I want to taste my own asshole. So, in 1990, <laughs> Wizards of the Coast uh, was founded. Uh, and originally, uh, you know, if you don't know, Wizards of the Coast, they are, um, as you will learn, the publishing company, uh, as well as like game development and management company that owns such chop top chart topping hits and classics as Magic the Gathering and Dungeons and Dragons. Um basically if you're a nerd in your any age, you have given wizards money directly or indirectly. Um they are the fucking standard oil of the goddamn tabletop role-playing game space um 
Oh, not to mention trading card games. I mean, the the secondary market for Magic get the Gathering cards is is in the billions of dollars alone. One of my one of my friends at work uh, is literally got her Pokemon cards appraised, and uh, Wizards does own the Pokemon card trading game, uh, and she literally like three cards were were each worth like over a grand a piece. <laughs> And it's, Damn, I need to get my shit checked out. Honestly, yes. Like, it is fucking ins. Like, I know people who have used it as collateral on fucking home loans because they got their collection appraised. Uh, hey, listen, listen. I don't got any cash, but like, how do you feel about a? Po- how, how do you feel about these Pokemon cards? Hey, how do you how do you feel about? I got a holographic Charizard. I got a. How about this, guys? I got a fucking Rakdos deck from 1992, and it's a real motherfucker. So why don't you give me some of that gash? Yeah. Did you guys see that? Um, in uh, a sealed copy of, uh, the original Super Mario sold at an auction for two million dollars. We need to start putting nerds to death. Yeah. Um. Fucking nuts. You know how? You know how Native Americans used to have people like white people uh control all their money and like personal assets and resources because the federal government uh was and is incredibly fucking like skull blindingly racist yeah i think we should bring back the indian affairs office but rename it and rebrand it as the gamer slash nerd affairs office and like if you try to spend more than a hundred dollars a year on anything that stupid, somebody from the government has to step in and tell you no. <laughs> it, this is this is Agent Smith from our Gachapon Victims Unit. Yeah. <laughs> You're buying way too many Fortnite V Bucks. All right. <laughs> Kicking down doors for illegal, uh, fucking illegal like loot box parlors. <laughs> Parlors, show me your hands, show me your hands, scumbag. Children. Where did you get that Magic the Gathering Developers Edition kit? Where did you get oh, it? I'm gonna do an episode about loot boxes sometime. It's gonna happen. It's uh, the, the video game series will come eventually. Oh, yeah. Anyway, Wizards of the Coast. Started in 1990. Goddamn Wizards. They own everything. Yep, so they were founded in 1990. Um, originally... Um, so the the name actually comes from a Dungeons and Dragons campaign um, that the founders were running. So, little uh, a lot of people don't know. Dun- uh, Wizards, Wizards of the Coast did not actually create Dungeons and Dragons. Um, Dungeons and Dragons was created by a company called TSR, which was founded by Gary Gygax, um, True King, who's kind of it- well. Yeah, he's kind of an asshole. Kind of an asshole. He is an asshole, but he created D and D. Imagine so. it's uh, he imagine organized the, someone else's notes to make D and D. Kanye's Kanye's an asshole, but he made the Yeezus album. So I mean, Gary Gygax is basically like, imagine somebody from the Upper Midwest. Now imagine that they really like math. That's Gary Gygax. He's like, oh yeah, I fucking love adding adding numbers up. I'm going to make a whole game about numbers and you got to use your imagination to make it fun. Uh, it's I'm going to I'm going to be liberally throwing in facts uh, from Empire of Imagination, uh, the book about the story behind D&D cuz I read it and it's fantastic. 
Uh, did you, did you guys know that? Did you guys know that Gary's not his first name? Really? Yeah. His first uh, name I've... is Ernest. Yeah. Yeah. Ernest. Ernest Gary Gygax. Oh, uh, I see why he didn't go with that one. Gary uh, as also... a middle name is a poor choice. I mean, he could have went for Ernie. Ernie Gygax. It's Ernie That's Gygax cool. would have worked. Ernie. Yeah, yeah, I like that one. It's, Ernie. Uh, oh... Ernie. Ernie Gygax. Also, fun fact, uh, the reason that a D20 is used for hits is uh, in Chainmail, which was the like proto-D&D that was produced uh, in part by Gary Gygax. Uh, it was like, a, there was a historian involved in the development, and it was a like closer to a 1 in 20 chance every time you swung your sword that you would hit. So hmm. they literally just used that, and it was on a 20 you hit or something like that. Fucking nerds. Fucking nerds. So oh, yeah. Fucking nerds. They loved math. It's so this is like it's th- these were nerds in the era of of like sand tables in basements and the campaign for North Africa. Honestly, yeah. you saying that got me excited, so we should move on. <laughs> so many minifigures. Oh man. Phoenix Command. Anyway. So originally Wizards of the Coast, um, they weren't really a powerhouse so they had published um the third edition of a game called talus lanta which was another uh fantasy um tabletop rpg um i don't believe it was uh, relatively well received but it was the third edition uh, i know it was it was kind of lauded as like being very unique and original because it didn't, wasn't just a D clone but again not much I, I feel like that's a low bar um, I mean, it really is. Fatal is unique and original because it's not a D&D clone, but, but like, butt-fucking people to death is a valid strategy in that game, so. Just as it is in life. Um, other than that third edition yeah, of Talos Lanta, they, they were also publishing... That sentence could have meant anything. That's not a threat. <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> they were also publishing their own in-house uh, TTRPG uh, called The Primal Order. Which was basically, uh, it was an RPG that was built to accommodate any system. And because of that, they would often use uh, verbiage uh, and specific uh, references to other systems. So that you could better adapt it to whatever one you and your friends are familiar with. Um, because of that, in 1992, they drew a lawsuit from Palladium Books. <laughs> oh, another mustache twirling villain of the tabletop RPG world, Palladium Books. Uh, brief aside, Palladium Books is kind of like, it's like if David Berkowitz ran a role-playing game company, because it is pants-shittingly insane, everything they make doesn't make any fucking sense. Um, if you don't believe me, just Google Rifts, R-I-F-T-S, tabletop role-playing game, and just look through the names of some of these books, it fucking, it astounds the mind it is completely batshit insane um but colin a... <laughs> colin my neighbor's dog my neighbor's dog told me to publish traveler colin oh stop colin stop. my neighbor's to... my neighbor's dog my neighbor's dog was the one that made me pu- made me publish all those riffs books so I... <sighs> david go back to sleep stop can you stop drinking milk in my face no do you have oh, any more? more drink so I'm much milk, milk. 
Oh. Oh. Uh, oh, no. I, I shot somebody. Oh. oh. I shot somebody and I jismed in my shorts. Jismed. Okay, we're moving on. Uh, I do want to say there is another podcast um, that covers Palladium uh, pretty thoroughly. It's called Role Playing Public Radio. They have, uh, I believe, on their Patreon a series called Palladium Poisoning, which is all about uh, the various uh, books and supplements that Palladium put out. Um, the title of the series tells you exactly the quality of the things they are reviewing. Um, now, uh, prior to that lawsuit from Palladium, um, Wizards of the Coast developed uh, Magic the Gathering. However, uh, it, they to hide it from Palladium, once the, the suit, um, uh, w- once they had uh, basically began the lawsuit, they wanted to make sure they hid that property just in case, um, you know, they were like stripped for assets and they had to hand it over. So they actually created a shell company called Garfield Games, which was named after Magic the Gathering's uh, creator, Richard Garfield. Um, and then basically as soon as the lawsuit gets settled in 1993... Um, they would uh, license all the rights um, back to Wizards of the Coast. So basically, Wizards of the, of the Coast did some uh, very nifty legal maneuvering to avoid facing consequences for yeah. uh, I mean, that's committing like, a that's crime. Shady. It's shady, but it's not like... I wouldn't say that's like... The, you know, yeah, it's, it's not like, the worst it's, They're not like there. playing three-card Monty with the rights to it. Um, they kind of were. <laughs> I mean, three, I mean, it's it's three card Monty. If all the cards are face up and you can't do anything about it, you still have to pick the wrong one. Fair. No, you're not allowed to pick that one. It's no, you have to pick the one in the middle. But that's not the right one. I know. I know. I know. It sucks. You shouldn't have put money into this. You guys yeah. sound like Penn and Teller from the beginning of uh, that Run DMC music video. That run DMC music. It's good. It's before Pendulette became an insufferable vegan. He's always been insufferable. It's just been about different things. Yeah. Like Yeah, I could I could deal with it before. Like originally it was he was insufferable about being a magician. And then he became insufferable insufferable about being an atheist. Then he became insufferable about being a libertarian. And now he's insufferable about being vegan. But I love Pendulette and I really actually respect him quite a bit. Well, yeah, exactly one of those things is acceptable to be insufferable about. And it's, be, it, like, it's being a magician, because I can't do any of that shit. He was literally... There was a period of time where he was literally using his magician abilities to break into people's houses and steal from them to fuel his drug habit. Yeah. Fuck yeah. While, while at That's the, fucking while awesome. During the day, <laughs> he, would, as fuck, dude. he would mow his lawn... While playing Lou Reed's uh, fucking music on full blast to piss off his neighbors. Yeah, I'd be mm. pissed if I had to listen to Lou Reed all day, too. Yeah, that sounds terrible. That honestly makes me want to be friends with Pendulette. I wanna shit on a Yeah, and then, and then Colin, you and him could in, uh, annex the Sudetenland together. That'd be fun. <laughs> I'd enjoy it. So, in 1997... <laughs> Uh, four years after Magic the Gathering uh, debuted, and Magic the Gathering was immediately a huge smash. It was a roaring success. It, it basically drove almost every other trading card game out of business, um, and the ones that didn't had to have like a very niche community. 
like Yu-Gi-Oh! Yu-Gi-Oh! got sheltered in Japan for a long time because of Magic the Gathering. Um, Pokemon would actually end up being acquired by uh, Wizards of the Coast because of Magic the Gathering. Um, and in 1997, among a myriad of other acquisitions, uh, Wizards uh, actually acquires TSR, meaning they have the full rights to reproduce and publish Dungeons & Dragons. Now, up to this point, there have been a handful of editions of Dungeons and & Dragons, um, and the game was currently awaiting its third edition. Oh. Mm, everybody loves third edition D&D, Third edition, the, oh, the best edition don't of he, Hey, hold it in. We're going to talk about it, okay? There's just it's, some stuff you, that you happens know, on the in-between. You know what I will say? I will say that the, the third edition is great, but you know what I could use on top of that? Half an edition more. A decimal point. Anyway. Nice. <laughs> Wait, is that is that the one We're that gonna has get there. A, a not tying skill? We're gonna skill? get there. We are going that, to get there. Does it have a not tying skill? I promise we are going to get there. Oh, yes. In 1999, Wizards of the Coast is acquired by Hasbro for over half a billion with a B dollars in today's money. Holy shit. Um, I already did the fucking conversion for you guys. You don't oh, have to fucking you. think. Half over half a billion dollars. Well, that's a lot better than what, when I'm like, yeah. And then they paid you know thirteen million Reichmarks for that in 1932. <laughs> and you're like, how much is that in this? And you're, in our money? Nothing. I have no fucking zero. Idea. It's nothing. <laughs> fucking, I don't know. Not, it's not a clue, man. Never bothered. <laughs> the only the only people that care about Reichmark to dollar uh, conversion are uh, people who are really invested. In their fucking World War Two roleplay. That's a fun way of saying neo Nazis. Yeah, but I mean, that's what they call themselves. I'm a role player. I'm, I'm just role I'm a historical a enthusiast. Really, because you're wearing that fucking swastika in your free time, Chief. Yeah, Didi Ramon. Didi. Man, we keep shitting on Didi Ramon yeah, each episode. I mean, like, we I'll... all love the Ramones. I will. I will fucking at D.D. Ramon all day. I don't give a shit. A he probably loves it, though. I will poop in his fucking mouth. I don't care. Right. So, he would definitely love that. Yeah. So the yeah. same year uh, that Hasbro acquired Wizards of the Coast, Wizards acquired a national chain of retail gaming stores uh, called Game Keepers. Now, for those of you who are not um, uh, completely uh, abandoned... And uh, unable to socialize nerds. And a game, have felt the touch of a woman. A, if you've ever felt the touch of a person that actually wants to have sex with you. Uh, who is not related to you. Or being paid to do so. Um, game stores are basically the only place where you're allowed to be happy or have fun. Or try to make friends. Um, Even the, though everybody that works there and goes there is a fucking asshole. A lot of them are assholes. Everyone smells like you. It's okay. Exactly. It's a safe... It's honestly a safe space for people who are all fucked up and nerdy and, you know, just general social outcasts. Um, They are a sacred space for many, myself included. Um, Man, we're throwing a lot of stones inside this glass house. We are in... We literally... We are all fucking sufferable nerds. So, this is... If they didn't know that by now, it's their fault. Well, that's like, that's our generation, is everyone holds on to their nerd shit because that's the only thing that keeps us from killing ourselves. Oh, I just do that. I I just didn't think there was a different way to be. Not everybody does it. Some people do fantasy football. Some people do D&D. It's the same shit. I don't know. Yeah. 
Fantasy football is just D and D. Now that's and that's how I fucking won fantasy football, and I didn't even know shit. Jesus Christ! <laughs> I didn't know shit, you're and so I won. Excited about it. Uh, oh, it's great. Now, it's although great. this is not the focus of the episode, it does bear mentioning that Hasbro has been consistently exposed uh, for engaging in unethical and criminal business practices, uh, utilizing Chinese toy factories that employ ju- at uh, junior high school students, um, which what? is illegal in China. Uh, the lower limit for labor is 16, so a lot of these kids were younger than 16. And they offer uh, inhumane and dangerous working conditions. Um, There's a series of articles online. Uh, I picked a quote from the one in 2018 because even though they were acquired uh, by Hasbro in 1999, they've been doing it the whole time and never stopped, um, which I think reflects on Wizards because everybody knew how these fucking toys were getting made and nobody really gave a shit enough to do or say anything about it um, because they had too many fucking dollar signs being jammed down their throat. Oh, I mean, so. it absolutely reflects on them at every level of management. Anybody mm-hmm. who knew about this is to blame. But but here's the thing: is like that. It's not an it's an open secret in the world that that toy like it's a joke. Yeah, to- these are made in China by fucking little kids. Like, oh, it's made in a sweatshop. Like, yeah, it fucking it is, literally actually. is made in a sweatshop. There's human. You blood. know how much blood is on that? Yeah. You know how many teeth went into making that toy? You piece of shit. <laughs> hey, how do you think fucking Mr. Potato assholes. Head got his teeth? Oh God! Just human teeth. It's not. It's not Mr. Potato Head anymore, Colin. No. What? Yeah. Yeah. No. It's just Potato Head. Yeah. It's they just stopped gendering head. the Potato Heads. I mean, yeah, it's, it like, never came with an attachable penis in the first place, so it's not a sexed pe- potato. Okay, but here's people the thing. Got, here's the people thing. People got though. really upset about it, and I was just like, "It's a fucking plastic mm. potato. Like, relax. The, they should. <laughs> they should make it so you have to provide your own potato again. Yeah. I'm you confused. Know, you gotta provide your own penis if you want one. Because on with Mr. and Mrs. Potato Head, they never had genitals. So, if anything, they were already woke. They were already like, yeah, it doesn't matter what you have between your legs. It matters what you want to be. And if you want to be a Mrs. Hey, if you want to be a Mrs. Potato Head, be a Mrs. Potato Head. If you want to be a Mr. Potato, be a Mr. Po- but if you want to put a hat and a fucking set of fuck, if you want to put a mustache and lipstick on, be our guest. That's your choice. You're it's your potato. You're the potato. You are a potato. The the thing I want to know is how did they make more of them if neither of them had genitals? Heyo, am I right? So this is from a CNBC <laughs> CNC, CNBC article from 2018. In peak production season, employees were working up to 175 overtime hours per month. What? Jesus fucking Christ! Oh, they were on that. They were on that 996 schedule. Are they were? Yeah, was what do they call it? The 996 in China? Yeah, 996. 9 a.m. 9 a.m. to to 9 p.m. Six days a week. Now, Chinese labor law restricts monthly overtime to 36 hours per month, but. The report alleged uh, factories would often ask local governments to implement a, quote-unquote, comprehensive working hour scheme to override existing legislation. Workers were also not being given the legally required 24-hour safety training before commencing work, meaning they were unaware of how to protect themselves from toxic chemicals. 
The investigation also showed that employers were failing to provide them with the necessary safety equipment to prevent contact with those chemicals. According to the article's source, uh, Solidar, uh, Solidar uh, Suisse, workers often handled chemicals such as benzene, which has been linked to poisoning and leukemia. Great. Investigators also found that workers are being forced to sign blank employment contracts and provided with poor living quarters, which often housed eight people in one room with unsanitary facilities and no hot water. It's This sounds a lot like the fucking conditions that the, the people at the factories under Hugo Boss were, lived in during exactly. the fucking Second World War. Exactly. And all of this is done to the benefit of Wizards of the Coast with, at the very least marginal general cultural knowledge but honestly if you're entering into a contract at hasbro and you say hey i want to see your fucking factories first seems like a perfectly reasonable demand if you're going to enter into business with somebody but apparently nobody at wizards ever thought to do that or if they did they didn't care about what they saw so it's i'm sure they knew exactly what they were going to find so they opted out there you go so that way, they had plausible deniability. Would not be surprised. So, a year after their acquisition by Hasbro, Wizards releases Womp Womp D&D 3rd Edition. No, and no. They also, Did they do a We're Sorry? Or? <laughs> no? They also released uh, the Open Game License and the General D20 System. Now, again, if you are not... Uh, a complete fucking hermetic shut-in, um, you have no idea what the open gaming license or the D20 system are. So, the open gaming license was essentially uh, this this kind of, like, open contract that said, hey, um, you can use basically anything in here that is not, like, a proper noun branded thing. Uh, meaning, you could make um, hey, you want to make a fucking astronaut in Dungeons and Dragons? Cool. Now you can do it. You can also print that book and sell it, and we legally can't go after you. Um, and with the D20 system, they basically stripped out all branded IP so that you had just a base system that you could make rules for or, or and um, you know, content for that was fully compatible with Dungeons and Dragons with very little tweaking or, or, or none at all in some cases. Um, now, I know what you're thinking. You're going, oh, hey, like, that's great. Like, Wizards is directly supplying these resources to a community that loves to, you know, do DIY. They love um, to be able to make things for themselves and their friends and also giving them a way to profit off of it. I would argue that what they're really doing is trying to make it seem really easy and reasonable to use the d20 system and to buy in to dungeons and dragons if not with actual money then um intellectually through building things through the ogl and through the d20 system and making it seem like they are the end-all be-all of uh, tabletop role-playing games which if you look at the way the industry shakes out now they did they won it worked. They they have an unimaginably huge market share of the tabletop gaming community. And a big part of that is, yeah, they just made it so easy and available to use their rules and to introduce new people to the system. Now, in 2003, 
after a lot of pushback and criticism um, by fans of the series, Wizards would release the uh, (laughs) controversial 3.5 edition of Dungeons & Dragons. Now, this is the edition that I was introduced to the game with, so I do have a special fondness in my heart for it. However... It's .5 better. However, it is actual human waste it is garbage it is bad do not use it please do not use it it's very bad so not tying 3.5 ran into quite a few issues but one of them was just having too much shit there were dozens if not hundreds of uh, what are referred to by nerds in the community as splat books for this this uh, this edition of D and D, which are just supplement books of like, oh, here's an extra class, here's some extra theme stuff, here's this, here's that, here's an adventure, um, and and all of those produced by wizards were twenty thirty bucks a pop, but they all also just totally fucked the balance of the game. Yeah, that's the that's the thing to uh, listeners that for some reason, if you're still listening and don't do RPGs, RTT RPGs or anything like that, it's a delicate balance. You can't have too much and you can't have not enough. You got to be in the middle. You got to be somewhere in the middle because if there's too much, the nerds will freak out and they'll have sensory overload and they won't know what the fuck to when do. When you have a human brain and a bunch of blocks of acrylic working as a rudimentary computer you want to make sure that it always makes sense why they're doing what they're doing and mm-hmm. unfortunately third edition didn't do a great job of that and 3.5 did an even worse job of that it is the it is in my opinion the hallmark for overcorrection they said third edition didn't do enough and 3.5 went so hard in the opposite direction that they alienated more people and they sent more people away from D&D, or at least made a bunch of nerds bitter and angry. This is also kind of the beginning of like what you see during like Gamergate, like this core of bitter old nerds who hate all the new nerds. Like 3.5 is really the beginning of fuck all these new fans. It, the gatekeeping and because this was like this was truly the new generation of D fans exactly now uh if you'll remember a few minutes ago we mentioned that wizards had acquired uh, a nationwide uh, chain of retail gaming stores game keepers um they'd done that back in 1999 uh, five years later 2004 every single one was closed what happened they stated that they wanted to focus on game development instead of retail and instead of in you know like subsidizing these stores but like letting management go or you know turning them over to people making them affordable they just said well how about we just crater that it's the center of uh gaming communities across the country and make it more difficult for people to congregate and make friends and socialize. Um, because these are people that, you know, there's no way they already have a hard time doing those things. 
Yeah, no, people who uh, choose to live in a fantasy land definitely have a real easy time making friends. Real rich social life. Honestly, though, my, my, my D&D group did, like, lead me to a more rich social life. They're very important. It's almost like uh, tabletop role-playing games aren't just for entertainment. They're tools for teaching people how to be good people. Man, there was a guy in my first D&D group. We called him Doofy. <laughs> it was just, like, the only yeah. thing we called him. Um, he was, I, I don't, I don't, I don't want to speak ill of the man because I love him, but he is a, he is a sweet, sweet, simple human being. <laughs> I feel like that's the nicest thing you could say about somebody <laughs> that you would, uh, insist on calling Doofy. Oh no, he insisted on being called Doofy. All right, moving on. In 2008, 4th edition was released... And that um, fixed everything that was wrong with 3.5. Now, not, not only did it take a, a radically different step uh, into what people thought of D&D when they thought of D&D, um, they also uh, attempted to... Okay, I think people are kind of split on this. Some people think that they had, you know, realized they were leaving money on the table with the OGL... And wanted to cash in. In my mind, I think they did it on purpose. Because they they were hoping that nobody would notice. And they would keep acting as if the OGL was in effect. And be confused. Um, but they basically released 4th uh, edition under the GSL. Um, which, unlike the OGL, did not offer the broad protections from legal um, ramifications. So if you tried to make a supplement for a fourth edition and print it and sell it all on your own dime wizards could then pull your ass into court and bury you under a fucking pile of legal fees and just fucking completely waste you on a financial level um it didn't really make any sense everybody fucking hated it and that's why by 2014 when they released fifth, fifth edition they released that back under the ogl like the fucking cowards they were. Yeah. Tail tucked between their legs. Now, I mean, the fans edition is completely perfect, and there is absolutely nothing wrong. Nothing. With 5th edition. Nothing absolutely nothing. Edition. No, no, it's no, not like you can min-max a College of Swords bard that's also a changeling, and then you can hit four times. That means nothing to most people, Tyler. Yeah. But to the people that know what that means... Crazy, I right? can pretty much I can kill a lot of things in one turn. It's it, great. It, it, I mean, that that is pretty dope. It's uh anybody who's ever concerned about damage as a rogue needs to spec into Swashbuckler because you can add your mm -hmm. sneak attack dice to literally every attack. Yeah, don't you only have to take one level too? Yeah. Yeah. It, well, it's so you need to take three levels of rogue in order to be able to spec into it. But once you get there, you you get the ability that just like, hey, you no longer need advantage to use sneak attack dice. And mm -hmm. that, as it turns out, is the it. only it's the only condition to using sneak attack dice. Yep. So you just use them all the time on everything. It's bullshit. It's great. It is bullshit, and I love it. Now, Fifth edition is perfect. Um, now, I think, like I said, that this was just a way that Wizards was trying to like cash in on what they may have seen as a mistake, or on an opportunity that was long in the making. However, when they revert to the OGL, it becomes pretty apparent, hey, 
Um, we've made it really easy for people to make things, but we haven't made it really easy for us to make money off of them uh, for no reason uh, at all. Um, which is why in 2016, they launched a DM's Guild. Now, a DM or Dungeon Master, that's the person whose brain has to act as the computer when you play these tabletop role-playing games. Um, they are usually uh, insufferable assholes or very competent good guys uh, and gals and uh, theys and thems and all the kinds of folks that we love to have at our house to drink beer and roll dice. Um, and I know what you're thinking. Hey, they launched a platform where you're able to very easily and cheaply publish um, supplemental material and content and make money off of it all through Wizards of the Coast, right? That's good, right? Yeah, it sounds amazing. And it, it, it sure stays your intellectual property, right? I got six words for you, buddy. 50% royalty fee, $1 processing fee. That is six words. Exactly. I read them. Sounds like a lot more. So, again, one dollar doesn't feel like a lot. However, most of these people, they're setting their own price for this. And they're also able to uh, select pay what you want. It's very popular in uh, the tabletop role-playing space. And I know in a lot of other like indie or DIY um, communities to offer uh, you know, products and content that are pay what you want. Meaning there is, a, there is no floor to the price and there is no ceiling to the price. You could spend $0 or $100 on the same product. Um, now, the problem here is that most of these people, this is not their job. They are doing this in their free time. Their labor is, is going into this, working on their own, with no help or input from wizards other than the platform to, to throw it onto. Now, because there's a $1 processing fee for payment, wizards recommends a, a range of prices, but most of those prices are below $5. So with a $1 processing fee, you are at best cutting into, um, at, at the very best, cutting into um, a, a tenth of your product, like your, your actual like money that you would get, uh, and more than likely a 20th or worse, but there's also a 50% royalty fee. So if you put up uh, a one-page uh, character write-up for $2, Wizards gets a dollar, and you get charged a dollar, so awesome cool you made no money and you made wizards money for all that hard work that you put in and you're a goody good boy the more expensive that these things get because obviously you're thinking well why don't you just charge more the more expensive they get the fewer people that buy them because they're not advertised or really supported by wizards they're just kind of pimped out as a way for wizards to make a little extra money on the side um mm -hmm. so they're, they're basically found a way to exploit the ogl in such a way where they could fuck over any um good faith actor who wants to sell their shit and but also because they're not monitoring it at all they also profit off of a bunch of people who are just putting up wildly racist and sexist content just absolutely baffling shit um wizards and dungeons and dragons are to an extent 
essentially racist. Because Dungeons and Dragons was based off of, uh, among other things, the Lord of the Rings novels, which treat dwarves uh, as an anti-Semitic stereotype, um, and orcs, typically, as a um, stereotype for black people. So, as time goes on, and those things don't get worked out, um, they just reinforce and allow people who already feel that way and think that way and think that feeling and thinking that way is okay to get more comfortable. And once you get more comfortable and you're familiar with the product and all of a sudden there's a way to make more of it, you're going to make more of it. So basically, through DM's Guild, not only are they fucking over people for their hard-earned work when they're doing a good job, but they're also making money off and promoting people who are doing explicitly racist and sexist shit refusing to take it down refusing to acknowledge any complaints which leads me into my last point in 2020 wizards is canceled wizards is canceled wizards is canceled colin it's uh it's 2021 now i i know 2020 wizards is canceled so in 2020 um wizards got into quite a bit of hot water um, among other things, so <laughs> there was a whole batch of Magic the Gathering cards that got banned and removed from yeah. starting to play because they had yeah. names like referencing the slur for the travelers. Uh, the the Romani. They, there was a whole whole culture in Dungeons and Dragons in the fiction Dungeons and Dragons that is literally just the Romani. With all the stereotypes and negative connotations that that incurs. Um, it is not good. On top of that, they had also um, apparently hired on a game developer whose name is uh, Orion Black. He, um, uh, I believe they, I'm, I, I'm not sure if they're, what their gender is. But um, they basically had said that they, they got treated um, like a token in meetings, in development that they basically felt like they were a diversity hire and that their voice and their talent wasn't really valued. And I can understand why people might be skeptical of these things. Um, but if you go ahead and you actually read Orion Black's um, experiences, they're all over the internet, you can find them. I think it's pretty compelling stuff. I, I agree with them. And also, it wouldn't be the first time that wizards had made a strange choice in hiring people uh there are plenty of times where they collaborate with people who are known abusers it's much like video games the culture around tabletop role-playing games where people who are shitty don't get punished for being shitty and so they continue to climb the corporate ladder mm -hmm. yeah there's there's very little consequences for those types of actions in many corporate environments but gaming is pretty far behind so, on top of basically, you know, smothering a large swath of the tabletop role-playing community in its crib, on top of cratering the, like, communal centers of a lot of these, you know, uh, gaming communities across the nation, and on top of turning a blind eye to child slavery and uh, completely inhumane business practices on the part of their parent company Hasbro... They also just flat out do racist shit all the fucking time. Which is why Wizards is the worst in the industry. Um, they fucking suck. 
please, if you like D&D, cool. I, I'm not going to yuck your yum, man. But there are a lot better games that do a lot more interesting things that you try and your Savage friends... Try Savage World. Try Savage. Well, I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to endure Savage Worlds. I don't know what's going on with their shit. Um, I would just recommend, hey, if you if you are interested in tabletop role-playing games, you know, this is the call to action. If you're interested in tabletop role-playing games, um, look around. There's a lot of people, a lot of small companies... A lot of individuals and freelancers and collaboration efforts of like weird, short, super easy to learn, super easy to run um, indie games that do their own thing, that are, you know, completely original. They don't feel like anything else. The experience is wholly their own. And they're people where, you know, Wizards is, you know, a million, like multi-million dollar, if not multi-billion dollar company at this point. $20 is nothing to them. Yeah. For these indie developers, for these people who are working, you know, on a tabletop or a writing gig in their free time, uh, away from their real job, um, $20 is a lot. $20 is groceries. $20 is rent. $20 is gas in your car. Um, mm-hmm. So we always want to support small producers, small content creators. Um, yeah. buy, buy directly from the people that produce these things when you can. Like, you know, from a website... You can totally, you can, I have never spent any money on D&D. None. I've spent zero dollars. I don't think I've ever bought a D&D. I think I bought the screen once because I really wanted it. I've never spent, actually that's not true. I did spend, I, I spent like $50 on the fourth edition starter kit and then didn't touch D&D for like five years. <laughs> uh, and... Give Paizo a whole shitload of money, though. Oh, fucking Paizo, if you guys don't know. Paizo is like if Wizards of the Coast had a little brother. Hey, you know what? Not a little brother. Wizards of the... Paizo is kind of like... You know how you know how sometimes you go to college and your roommate gets obsessed with you to the point where they cut their hair the same way and they start dressing the same way and eating the same foods and then they get like a tattoo of your dead sister's name on the same spot that you have it. And then they start having sex with all the same people that you've had sex with previously. And then they start introducing themselves with your name. Um, but also, they can't stop talking about math all the fucking time. That's what Paizo does. Um, it's uh, they're, they're a company made up of former uh, Wizards of the Coast employees and TSR employees. Yeah, they're fucking nerds. Which is good for them. They got out, but... <laughs> They got out only to get it back in. <laughs> they, they got out only to create Pathfinder First Edition, which, yeah. honestly, to this day, I will still defend as a fun system. Pathfinder, yeah, totally fun. Eh. But uh, I do want to say I, I do have a few um, creators that I would like to shout out by name specifically. I know they're all on Twitter, and I'm sure um, they plug all their shit in their bios or in their pin tweets, um, and I'm sure they also have. Um, instagrams and other social media as well if you don't use twitter um avery alder um she's amazing she's one of my favorite um writers in the in the the role-playing game space she wrote uh among other things monster hearts which is one of my favorite um games it's it's a little cheesy and it's a little uh it's a little cheesy he said it can be a little cheesy but i think it's it's incredibly it's a fun game that's part of the charm it's an interesting uh, game and honestly if you play it if you don't play it the way we play it, which is like, we play it the same way that your what, uncle dicks out jerking off. I we mean... play it the same way your uncle drives the rental car, 
<laughs> Hard. If you play it Fast a little more seriously, uh, or at least a little more uh, genuinely, it's actually, uh, so I've heard, a very rewarding experience. And I would encourage you, you to look into that. Um, also, we have uh, Shrang Biswas, Lucian Khan, uh, as well as... Uh, here, I'll pull it back up. I do like the Pelgrane boys. Pelgrane Press, they uh, they make Delta Green. Um, they're fucking fantastic. I honestly really just dig around. See, like, whatever you're into, whatever, like, weird niche thing you really like, I guarantee you there is a tabletop role-playing game that accommodates for it, is built around it, and loves that thing just as much as you do. And it's something that you get to share with your friends. And it's not just some bullshit thing on a screen it's actually real life fucking interaction you actually get to do something even if it's not like building a actual like physical tangible thing it's real emotional weight and real social interaction and god if we don't need fucking more of that in the hell world that we currently inhabit oh god we yeah yeah no we absolutely do oh all right well Thank you all for listening in. Oh, nope, um, I would, I would, I would just like to say, um, if you do play D and D, how to incorporate D and D into your resume? Met with colleagues for a twice weekly creativity and conflict resolution exercises. Gained necessary experience that promoted character and skill growth. Learned to quickly assess the proper tools to resolve situations. Boom! Real life fucking shit. Also, we did. This was a while back. But we're hoping to make a return. We did um, get to feature on another podcast. Uh, we were great fans of it. Um, Tyler, fuck me. The name is eluding me right now. It's One, One Shot Dungeon. Shot One Shot Dungeons. Dungeons. That's what I thought it was, but I felt like I was wrong for saying that. One Shot Dungeons, it was great. Uh, yep, a lot of fun. They're still making episodes. Oh, those guys are so fucking thing. great. We've ruined their night two nights in a row. <laughs> it was incredible. Can't wait to do it yeah. again. If if yeah, they yeah. ever let us back on, we would love to be back on, and we'd love you for you guys to go ahead, give them a listen, give them a like, give them a rating, um, let them know that we sent you. Uh, they're great guys. They're fun. They agreed that capitalism was bad. Therefore, they agree with all. There my we opinions. go. We can keep. We can keep that. Yeah, we can keep that bit. Um, yeah, I'm gonna be. Um, I'm gonna be now, using now that censorship this... sound. This has got me, uh, this got me fired up. I'm thinking about, uh, you're talking about that Wizards of the Coast where they take a fucking portion of the profits. Got me thinking about Bethesda's Creation Club. Oh my god. Where they stole people's mods and sold them for money. It's, fun fact, that's all of the additional content that's being added to the new Skyrim edition is shit from the yep. Creation Club. Every, okay, everybody stop playing fucking Skyrim. Just Uninstall stop. it, Just never stop. play it again. Never play it again, please. It's not th the only it's... reason. The only reason, and fucking Todd Coward himself said it a couple weeks ago. Todd the God Coward. They, um, he said the reason why we haven't released Elder Scrolls Six yet is because people are still playing Skyrim. Stop playing Skyrim. Okay, but here's the thing, though. Just stop. Is that it's not individual consumer choices why Sky why, why fucking Elder Scrolls Six has not come out. Elder Scrolls Six has not come out because Bethesda is a uh, artistically fucking bankrupt. And morally fucking yeah. bankrupt company because they've yeah, but never still had, making money on it. Never so if people stop fucking hard, playing it, they fucking stop mooch off of it. fucking goddamn Obsidian for the next decade and a half. 
All right, hold on. We're gonna we're gonna reel it back a little before we get started on another episode. Well, that's we should we're gonna have a Bethesda episode, and either my it's part two Bethesda. Oh, I'm sure. I am absolutely sure. But until next time, do we have anything to preview for next week? Remember that time on E3 where I watched Todd Coward walk around in a leather jacket, and I wanted to physically fight him. Yeah, I do. I do. Uh, uh, to the listeners at uh, home, drop in the comments on whatever platform you listen on uh, your favorite moment where you hated Todd Howard slash your current favorite tabletop role-playing game that is not Dungeons & Dragons. Yeah, I guess I have a little teaser. Um, I'm going to talk about uh, a couple of people that really like to role-play a lot. Uh, I'm going to be talking about televangelists. Oh, oh my God, yes. ho, ho, ho. That's going to be a good one. All right, well, uh, we will have that out for you next Friday. Until then, thanks for listening to Worst in the Industry. Bye-bye. Kisses.